Welcome to the Let's Talk Life in Lockdown podcast from the University of Edinburgh and Edinburgh Students Association, keeping us together and sharing experiences in this extraordinary period of social distancing. I'm Harriet Harris, the University Chaplain, and today I'm talking to Alan Murray, Professor of Engineering, about support for depression during lockdown, how powerful and healing it is to face our feelings, the joys of crafting, and his daughter's seventh birthday party on Zoom. Alan, it's great to speak with you again, and thanks ever so much for joining me this afternoon. Uh, Would you like to introduce yourself? Sure, yeah. I'm Alan Murray. I'm an engineer, uh, professor of engineering at the University of Edinburgh. I'm 67 years old, so I've been here a long time, and I'm also assistant principal for academic support. So I'm involved in things to do with student support, things to do with the student experience, and also things to do with the staff experience, because... um, Happy students mean happy staff, and happy staff generally make happier students. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely right. And it's great to speak to you during lockdown, Alan, because you, um, you know, you did some. So we had some great conversations with the previous series of uh, Let's Talk podcasts, and you spoke about uh, perfectionism, fear of failure, and also on anxiety. And I wondered how you're finding the situation of lockdown. If you're noticing anything different in that around mental health or well-being? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, my, my experience of it is probably unusual because um, as a result of a sort of family issue, um, I found myself for the moment living by myself and having just ploughed through a quite nasty bout of depression as a result of what had happened. So I, I entered the lockdown in a position of starting to recover from a really quite bad bout of depression with the help of a mental health nurse and um, living by myself anyway. So in a sense, something really bad had happened to me and the lockdown almost washed past me because I was so traumatised by what had happened anyway. Mm. Yes, yeah, so the so the, the, the being aloneness aspect of it wasn't new. No, I just you. found that other yeah. people were alone just like me. Yeah, so you were almost, you know, you felt like other people had climbed into your boat, perhaps, almost. <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I sort of, I, but I did know how other people were feeling before they started feeling. Yeah. I've, I've never really lived alone for any length of time at all. And I was doing that anyway. So lockdown just meant it was a bit more disciplined. Um, yeah. It meant that everyone else was in the same boat. So I almost felt I had company. Yeah, okay. Not, not a nice feeling to say, you know, there's a side of a side of lockdown that means that some people may actually feel they're not the only ones who are feeling a bit miserable. Um, that's not a not, that's not a happy thought. One no, can't help feeling can't help feeling that other people are in the same boat. Somehow you think it's not quite so bad. Yeah, exactly. It, it, yeah, it's bringing your life into alignment with other people's reality. I think it's. You when know, I have, as I said you earlier, I think we have. I've read that some people with things like OCD are finding the lockdown actually has eased their lives because they're not confronted with lots of the, the things that upset them, lots of the things yes. that they feel obsessive about. Yes. Hand yes. Wash, <laughs> obsessive hand washing has suddenly become the thing to do. That's what you're allowed to do, yeah, absolutely. And what was it like receiving um, the support from the mental health nurse and then going into lockdown? Did the nature of that support change then? It had to, yes. I mean, I'd seen her on a weekly basis for a few weeks and had um, she'd given me some advice about dealing with the things that were making me depressed, which was basically to allow myself to be angry about it, which is not something I do as a matter of course. I pride myself in not being an angry, angry person and not having a temper. 
But just before um, the lockdown, she persuaded me to let it all hang out one weekend and rage at the moon on my own. And I did that, and I was actually starting to feel better by the time lockdown happened. So her her disappearance from actually being in my uh, sunroom to being at the end of the phone was okay. Whether that would have been an okay transition if I was at the depth of depression, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. But for the moment, um, having uh, having telephone contact is working fine with the men. It's working fine at this stage in my, I would say, recovery. I mean, obviously, I'm not recovered in the sense that if things go badly wrong, I could plunge back down again. I have no way of knowing that, and I'm just prepared for that. So I'm braced for um, being plunged into another bout of unwellness. But for the moment, it's working. Um, yeah. And, you know, it doesn't, if she doesn't, she didn't get me at 9.30 this morning because something happened at her end. And that wasn't a big deal. I'm not um, sort of, I'm not relying on her on the end of the phone. If I were relying on someone's support in that way, which at no point I actually have done, I've never been in that position that was reliant on a person, but I know that can happen. Um, the transition to phone would have been difficult, I think. Okay, okay. And it's so interesting, this uh, advice that she gave you uh, to feel your anger because you were saying you had a, a natural resistance to doing that, which... It's understandable, isn't it? Because anger is a very uncomfortable feeling, uh, as well as it being something we, we've, we're often perhaps taught not to feel. Yes, well, I mean, it's, it's something that I've never found it to be a terribly useful emotion. Um, anger just sort of puts, puts people in corners. So I've always tried to avoid it. Something I learned from my father-in-law, uh, my wife's dad, who was the gentlest of people, and he just never got angry. And I, I had never seen anyone like that. So I thought, hmm, try that. And I've managed to sort of get to the point that I'm not an angry person, probably to the extent that actually it's a little unhealthy that I tend to I tend to look at everything that happens and say, is this worth making a fuss about? If it is, get angry. If it's not, then just let it go. And for the most time, I just let things go, so I don't get angry. Um, my wife has found that not annoying in the past. But this was a time when I had things to be angry about and I'd been treated in a way that I wasn't happy with. So... Um, I did get angry, and I didn't enjoy it. It's not a, it's not a, an emotion right. I enjoy. No. But um, by the end of it, I felt much better. Mm. I didn't feel like I was going to explode anymore, and I'd, I'd, I'd put past some thoughts through my head that I didn't like, but they needed to go through my head. And I'd also kind of organised my anger into categories, uh, which is you know what my um, academic brain does. So I got my anger sort of laid into three categories. I knew what I was angry about. That sort of helped too. Oh, that's really helpful. Yeah, the the name, so the naming of things and the sifting and the sorting. Yeah, to get them in sort of in a sense, I was what I was doing was laying them in front of me uh, mm. on a desk so that I could look at them from outside rather than having them inside my head. And I I wouldn't have thought that would have been quite so helpful. Um, but I, I am a writer down of things. I write things down or I write songs about them. So I wrote down what I was angry about and sort of grouped it into categories. Now, this sounds a bit sad and lonely, but it did actually help. It's, it, it doesn't sound sad and lonely. It's, I'm actually fascinated um, because it's um, partly it's expressing it, isn't it? Because I imagine that, uh, I mean, anger is such a, um, a passionate emotion. And I think one of the reasons we don't like it is that it tosses us about. <laughs> it whips up our passions a lot and that's never comfortable. Um, but uh, to be able to... Uh, write down the things you're angry about uh, means you can you can almost, you can stand outside a little bit and just take a good look at it 
uh, and I think that that's in itself. Um, I find it really interesting that you're talking about that process and can imagine how uh, it can it, it, it can be calming because it's partly a release. It's and... a release, and that you're getting it. The thing I don't like about um, I don't like about anger, I think, is that it tends to make you say unkind things if it's sort of spontaneous anger. And it tends to it tends to make things that you wouldn't if you thought about it. And it tends to make you unkind to people. And one of my you know strongest desires, if you like, is to be nice to people and make people happy. I, I just love doing things that make people happy. So the idea of raging at someone and making them unhappy for me is horrific. But mm. to do it, um, you know, in the in the sanctity of my own home, uh, raging at my teddy bears and then writing it down was much safer. Nobody got mm. hurt. Um, mm. nobody had anything nasty and unpleasant said to them because when I do get angry I am very articulate and being on the end of my anger is not a good place to be Okay. and the very yeah. few times it happens I get angry about once every two years um, <clears throat> occasionally people like Donald Trump are just a television but when I get angry I'm not very nice so I try to avoid it but it was good to, it was good to do it in privacy and then sort of organise it into a civilized form with the rude words taken out. <laughs> yeah, once they've been expressed. <laughs> once they've been expressed, I mean, you get you get them out when you're raging at the moon. Yeah, and you just try to write it down. If you write it down with lots of sweary words in it, it just looks stupid. So you have to write <laughs> it down in an organized way that forces you to turn what you're angry about into language that you're prepared to write down and look at. Mm. And, and I, I think I am you peculiar wrote a and I'm a writer down of things. I write things down. Yeah. I write down yeah. positive emotions as well, and, and that's yeah. when they come up as songs often, because I'm feeling I was going to bit. say, because I think you wrote a song out of this experience. I did, yes, I did. Yeah, great. Yeah. It's so, a, you, yes. Actually, I'm very pleased that it's a good song, if, I, if yeah. I can sort of set aside modesty for a moment. It's one of the better ones, but it's pretty harrowing. Well, I thought, I mean, you sent it to me, and I just, I thought it was a great song. Yeah, I thought that, I thought it was very powerful. Um, it's, it's a song about loss, and loss is a yeah, loss is a, a sad and harrowing thing. It is, and um, we all have to endure losses, don't we? So it, it's it's really helpful to hear a way in which you have are navigating that. Yeah, I mean, I, I I do the songwriting thing because I can, and because it gives me pleasure, or it gives me yeah, it does give me pleasure, it gives me satisfaction, gives me a release of emotions. And some of the songs are not bad and other people enjoy them. So there's a double benefit mm. there. Um, yeah, but if you don't do songwriting, I think getting your anger out or getting any emotion out in some kind of way that's not just shrieking. Um, you might want to do a bit of shrieking, but then I, I find writing it down. Some people write poetry, some people paint, um, some mm. people go out and chop wood. Um, mm. I think getting it out of your head and into a form, particularly for me, a form in which I can look at it and understand it and think, yeah, that's a shame. You are angry and you're right to be angry. Mm. Um, and I, I'm sure that would work with other emotions too. It might be frustration or sadness. I know people yeah. who have been suffering grief have found that writing a sort of grief diary helps. Yeah. And, just, and I think any process... It out and down there so you can look at it from outside, really. Yes. And, and it's also the, the process of recognising it and allowing it, isn't it? Because if we, uh, if we can't, if, if, we, if for a start we can't, recognize and name it we don't know what it is and then if we can't allow it we're judging ourselves for feeling like that that's right it's a bit like naming whilst the also beast. trying to evade yeah whilst also trying to pretend we don't quite feel like that yeah people so, talk about naming the beast and i think it's a it's a way of naming the beast and if, if you 
if you are, I think it goes cuts in all ways. If you're depressed and you're not prepared to say, you're not happy to say I'm depressed, then you're probably avoiding something, and you'd be better to be honest about it and write it down. Yeah. Uh, and I think all these things stuff. actually, in the end, um, getting things that you're feeling out, whether you like it or not, is probably a good thing. And this is something I didn't like because I don't like being angry. No. Particularly with people I'm close to, uh, but it needed done. Basically. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, are there aspects of lockdown, um, aside from the particular circumstances that you were finding yourself in before lockdown began, are there specific um, aspects to lockdown that you're finding challenging? Um, not being able to hug my granddaughters is challenging. Yeah. Um, we're working hard on, we can do story time at bedtime together using FaceTime or Zoom. Okay. I would recommend that to anyone. It's lovely, if you, particularly if you've got a kitty who's old enough that can read. Um, my older granddaughter, Heidi's seven, is actually a very fluent reader. So if we get a book at one end and I get a book at the other and we read page about, that's actually a very nice thing to do. And, you know, I can see them, they can see me. Um, so there are things which I miss, uh, really just human contact um, of all yeah. kinds. Yeah. So I've yeah. alleviated that by doing a lot of FaceTiming with my granddaughters I'm running Pennycook Folk Club on Zoom, and that's working oh, really? surprisingly well. I'm yeah. going to church on Zoom every Sunday with a rector who really knows what he's doing. So the church yeah. experience actually has a few things in it which I would say are better than going to the physical church. Yeah, There's a lot of loss. Um, obviously, you're not seeing people face-to-face, but, uh, for example, you're going to church normally, you look at a lot of the backs of heads. Mm. When you go to church on Zoom, you see a screen full of faces. Oh, yes, yeah. Yeah, and if it's well, and done, I know. there are you know there are some advantages. Now, in our case, yeah. it's a congregation that's split between two churches, and during the Zoom time, we're having a congregation from both churches at once. We're getting to know people that we don't know. That's really nice, and I, and I think that in, in a lot of contexts, more people are um, tuning into online services than would normally come into a, a into a physical service on a Sunday. Yes, absolutely. Um, I mean, you know, Zoom's, yeah. Zoom's share price has shot through the roof for obvious reasons. Um, <laughs> yeah. they've, they've reimposed the 40-minute rule as well as a pain. Um, but no, uh, yes, yeah, people are doing all sorts of things online that they wouldn't have done before. I'm finding it even at work that there are some meetings I'm having using Microsoft Teams, which I realise I could have with Microsoft Teams even after lockdown with less expense, less travelling, less ecological mm. impact. I mean, there's all sorts of things now which I w- mm. we could do if they're not sort of really important meetings that need open discussion and body language. It's just a one-issue one meeting to discuss something logistic. I don't need to come into old college to do that. Yeah, we might really be able to cut down on travel now that there's a sense in which we know how to do it. Yes, we, we know, know how, how to do to it. And it imposes a discipline as well. I found I ran a meeting of Academic Policy and Regulations Committee, which is one of the big Senate committees, and we got a lot of business done in an hour because people behaved themselves. Yeah. They didn't witter. They didn't interrupt. They didn't, I mean, I asked them not to. They didn't interrupt. They didn't witter. They didn't gossip. They didn't talk rubbish. Um, not like PRC ever talks rubbish, of course, but there was no unnecessary chat. Mm. So in a sense that you miss that because it's uh, it's part of the social bonding stuff. But it, we got the business done and we had yeah. to because there was a lot to do with, it was mostly to do with adjustments for COVID. Yeah. There's an awful lot of uh, c- contingency planning and adjustment, isn't there, at the moment, adaptation? Yeah, see, uh, see, um, APRC, which used to be CSPC, which is why I stammered, 
Uh, that has to do with a lot of the concessionary stuff, just bending rules uh, in such a way that we keep the quality up and make it as, as productive as possible for the students we've got. Yeah, yeah. And you've talked a lot about, you've talked a bit about, um, in talking about the challenges, you've, you've gone straight on to actually the, some things that you're enjoying that couldn't have happened otherwise, like the folk group on Zoom, the church on Zoom, the, the realising that you can meet without having to uh, travel, which is good for the environment and, and also for the wallet. Uh, are there other things that you're enjoying or discovering in lockdown that you're glad to have discovered? Um, yes, I mean, I, I've discovered I can do things I didn't know I could do because, I mean, I can only write so many songs. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't got time to sing them all, so I can't do songwriting all the time. So I've been recording some of my songs, which have been oh, waiting to be recorded nice. for a while. Yeah, yeah. And I've discovered I actually rather like working in wood. Really? Um, I had started just before lockdown a project to make my granddaughter's Harry Potter wands. Oh, lovely! Um, and I'd made a two two Luna love goods for my son-in-law and daughter-in-law, Hermione for her for Heidi, who she is absolutely Heidi as Hermione, and Ginny Weasley for the little one. And I'd made one for my son and made and made one for myself, which I'm holding at the moment. It's an elder wand, so I have the most powerful wand in the world, and I can make anyone do anything. <laughs> um, I, I've discovered that you know that's immensely satisfying, time-consuming, but in a, in a good way. Yeah, I've actually discovered, and this will be useful when I do retire. I've discovered that sort of craft things uh, actually please me a great deal, as well as music. So I've got even yeah. more to fill my time when I retire now. So I would say lockdown has not created that because I'd started this project before um, lockdown, um, but it's it certainly made me realise that. There are things that I don't do and haven't done that I can do. I'm getting out on a bike more as well. So oh. you're just you're forced to do things, and um, there are things that you often don't make time for. Yeah, yeah. So in being forced to be in one place, we can make time for a few other things that doesn't get swallowed up by the commuting. Uh, yes, to, I mean they're not yeah. being swallowed up because um, you know I'm not having to travel to work. I'm not having to travel back from work. I'm not in and out yeah. of old college. So the work yeah. that I'm doing, I get done really quite efficiently. Um, I'm missing contact with colleagues, missing bumping into people like yourself. But um, I'm getting things done very efficiently. So I do have time in my hands. And it's good to have things that fill up that time. And magic wand making is one of them. You know, As you know, I make teddy bears. But uh, yeah. I can only, if I fill the house with teddy bears, I won't fill it quite so quickly with magic wands. They're small. You can make it. You make ones for the teddies now. Make ones for the teddy bears. When you run out of people. Run out of people. Make ones for the teddy bears, and they can turn me into a toad. <laughs> and I think um, uh, just before we end, I think your one of your granddaughters had a birthday. She did. Lockdown. I felt really sorry for her. She was seven. This is the older one, Heidi. That's oh. another Hermione. Um, and her mum and dad were very conscious of you know, trying to make it as good a birthday as possible, and they made a superb job of it actually. Um, She'll remember it, more, I think, more than any other birthday. She had all the usual decorations in the house. It was out to play because it was a lovely day, so they were splashing around in the paddling pool. And the other grandfather and I went round and sat in the garden, you know, two metres from everyone. So they did have a little bit of sort of controlled family time. And she then did some Zoom conversations with some of her pals. She did a Zoom conversation hey. with Paul, my son. And the, yeah. the deal with the family is we were supposed to dress up so Paul had dressed up as Tina Turner in full drag and sang her a couple of Tina Turner songs. <laughs> and when the I party in the evening came, I had managed to assemble myself a complete Albus Dumbledore costume. 
Oh, and I bought myself on eBay a long white wig and a long white beard. I got one of these little Nepalese smoking caps and I bought a sort of satin dressing gown. So I, if I'd stood up, they would have found Dumbledore with bare, knee from the, bare legs from the knees down. But it was actually <laughs> quite convincing. And I have a pair of um, yeah. half-moon glasses that one of the teddy bears wore. So when I appeared on screen, I, pl I played the Hogwarts music and appeared as Albus Dumbledore. And uh, that, that was good. That was good fun. I mean, it was just, it was a fun thing to do. Uh, I would yeah. like, I would rather have been there in an Albus Dumbledore costume, obviously. It was a fun thing to do and, and, and worth doing because the wee thing was having her seventh birthday and you know, couldn't meet anyone. Yeah. Zoom again, it's very good for that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So seventh birthday party on Zoom. I say she will remember that, won't she? And she'll have that story to tell. Well, sure, she'll not forget the time when she couldn't have a birthday and Dumbledore appeared at her party. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I did my best to sort of assume that to be. I said actually, I'm not Albus Dumbledore. I'm Alan Dumbledore, his Scottish cousin, ah. and he never spoke okay. about me because my spells often go wrong. <laughs> I try too hard, and my spells often have the opposite effect from that which they're supposed to have. Oh, you could have lots of fun with that. You could turn it's, all sorts of things into. It's also it's, it's also a reflection of me. <laughs> the wizard well, who tries too hard. That. Oh, but you really threw yourself into that. I can see, that's lovely, isn't it? It's just—it's great to be able to lose ourselves in. It is, yes. I mean, it's that, it, it became another thing that I could spend lots of time on yeah. finding a yeah. beard and, and tying it up with beads the way that Albus Dumbledore had. Uh, so I, I spent some time just making sure that I looked as convincing as possible. Yeah. So I'm now going yeah. to use that as my avatar on uh, Microsoft Teams. So when I'm not on the screen, it's Albus Dumbledore or me that appears instead. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can threaten them with your um, with your wands and the spells that go wrong. Well, that's right. That's right. You could wield quite a lot of authority that way. <laughs> you could. Yes, you could, you could have a Hogwarts party and have all sorts of things going wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alan, the one thing I'm finding actually very yeah. useful is I've got Stephen Fry reading the. Um, I've got a copy of the audiobook of Stephen Fry reading Harry Potter. And oh right, I get yes. More out of that than I did out of either the books or the films. Really? Because the books I tend to speed read, because that's yeah. what your training and mine trains you to do. Mm, um, in the films, there's a lot missed out. They're beautiful. But mm. if you read the book mm. and you have the audio book playing at the same time, you're forced to go at talking pace. Oh, and I'm that's finding nice. out lots of little corners of Hogwarts in the world I didn't know because right. I'm forced to go through it at his right, quite slow talking pace. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's really nice. That sounds like a cosy, nice thing to be doing when you're... It is, very comforting, yeah. When you're on your own, yeah, really nice. Anyway, Alan, thank you, and uh, yeah, hopefully I will see you soon. Yeah, you can yeah. look after yourself. Take care. Take see care, you. lots of love. Have a nice weekend. Yeah, thank you, you too. Bye. For the latest university COVID-19 advice and news, go to the University of Edinburgh website and you'll find all the links you need at the top of the homepage. If you would like to discuss any issues affecting you from this podcast or would like welfare support during lockdown, you can contact the university's listening service by emailing listening.service at ed.ac.uk. The listening service is run by the chaplaincy and is for all Edinburgh students and staff.